0: Right now, 2022 might wind up being one of the worst financial years hospitals have experienced in really decades.
1: Hello and welcome to Cast. I'm Susan Morse, Executive Editor of Healthcare Finance News. Talking with us today is Tina Wheeler, who is the U.S. Healthcare Leader at Deloitte. Uh, Welcome, Tina. Nice to have you.
0: Hey, thanks, Susan. So excited to be here. Thanks for
1: having me. Before we start talking about a new report that Deloitte just put out and that you put out, can you talk a little bit, please, about your background and your work at Deloitte and your work with hospital leaders?
0: Certainly. Um, So I have had the pleasure of working at Deloitte for over 32 years. Um, You know, I joined the firm um, right out of college. Um, I'm a certified public accountant, and I started out in audit. And um, then over the years, made partner and really evolved into um, healthcare and um, have been, always been passionate about the field. I've served a no- number of clients, um, healthcare providers and payers. I've worked with public and non public clients. And then I've always had a passion as well. Um, in kind of helping women navigate in their careers. So I've always tried to be a role model. I personally worked on a flexible work arrangement and have served as a leader in our our firm's women's initiative. And I do serve currently as our U.S. national healthcare sector leader. And I'm also the global audit leader for healthcare um, at Deloitte. And in my role, I mean, my job is really to bring the breadth and depth of all of Deloitte's services, audit, tax, consulting, and advisory to our healthcare clients, I meet regularly with C-suite leaders across both the payer and provider spectrum, and um, I also serve as the lead client service partner for a number of clients as well. So, you know, I'm all about healthcare,
1: Susan, and I love talking about it. <laughs> okay, that's excellent. And I'm sure we could hold a whole session on what you've seen for changes over 30 years. It's, it's been amazing. It has uh, been
0: amazing for sure.
1: Okay. Well, I first want to bring up the report that Deloitte just put out called the 2023 Outlook for Healthcare. And it had to do a lot with margins and staffing shortages. Can you please uh, fill us in, Tina, on what you found in the report?
0: Absolutely. Um, So as you kind of look ahead to 2023, there's a ton of issues out there that healthcare leaders are facing. And part of it was just trying to figure out what were the top ones that we thought would be the most impactful as we looked ahead. Um, It seems like I can't have a conversation in the C-suite where the topic of really inflation and affordability come up. Um, You know, there was a time when we thought about, you know, inflation, which in tune is something we think about with respect to potential recession, right? And we thought, well, healthcare is immune to recession or recession-proof because people get sick and they're always going to have a need for healthcare services. But, you know, it was interesting In this most recent survey, 93% of the respondents basically said that inflation and affordability were going to impact their strategy. So that's a a big percentage, Susan, when you think about it. Um, And what we're seeing along those lines is with the hyperinflation continued increase in costs, consumers are having to make choices about potentially continuing to defer either preventative or even detective care because they're they're facing issues with the affordability of housing, gas, food. And so if it's between, you know, taking time or money to go to a doctor's appointment or putting food on the table, they might have to make that tough decision, which inevitably could result in higher costs long term.
1: That's incredible that you said, you know, about healthcare usually being recession proof. What made the difference this time? I mean, I know it's been a perfect storm. Has it been COVID, all of the above that that has come together for this?
0: I think it's the perfect storm. I think it's COVID started it, right? So folks were not going in; they weren't in the hot, they weren't going into appointments. And then now, with all of the financial pressures they're having to make choices. Now, the one I would say silver lining is virtual health, right? Yes. COVID was a catalyst for telehealth. And I think that the more um, both patients and health systems can embrace virtual health, um, the better off we'll be. And hopefully we will be able to get more of that preventative care because the future of health is all about keeping people healthy versus
1: treating the sick. And I think right. to make that shift, it's going to take more time. That's right. And let's hope uh, telehealth's can stay. Of course, we have 151 days after the end of the PHE for that to happen. Do do the healthcare leaders talk to you about being worried about the end of the public health emergency because they're going to lose these waivers? Is that a concern for them? Absolutely.
0: I mean I think that with all of the financial struggles, particularly healthcare systems are are facing. I mean I feel like on any of my feeds onto my computer or my phone it's all about health systems losing money, health health systems dealing with shrinking margins. And so as they think about the loss of reimbursement for something as important as virtual health or telehealth, you know, it's a huge concern.
1: And what are they saying to you, if anything, about what they can do about it? I mean, are they taking, is there a strategic plans in place?
0: I mean, I think that they'll continue doing what they always do, right? They're going to lobby, they're gonna make sure that they're heard at the national organizations so that they're getting the attention of um, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, CMS, all of the organizations to ensure that um, the the payment continues because hospitals are hurting.
1: Yeah, they are. We're, um, do you advise them on how they can best meet the, their financial challenges?
0: Yeah, you know, as we think about shrinking margins, um, many health systems are still recovering from low patient volumes and revenue shortfalls, which were tied back to the pandemic. You know, at the same time, it's the double whammy because they have costs for supplies and labor. Those continue to rise. And when we look back, you know, right now, 2022 might wind up being one of the worst financial years hospitals have experienced in really decades. And so when you say even three years after COVID has emerged, many patients, like I said, continue to put off non-emergency procedures, and that's squeezing revenue. And then if you think about um, you know, the way patients are thinking about their services, hospitals have to think about how do they reduce costs, and then how do they differentiate their revenue streams, right? So what are the ways that they can maximize margin? Part of that also is really the digital transformation or digital journey, which is a whole other conversation.
1: Well, I'd love to include that here. Anything, I mean, from what I've heard, CFOs want to invest in digital transformation. They're just not sure where to put their money. I don't know if that's correct or not. I don't know. I if think you can... it's true.
0: I, I yeah. think that what I worry about is digital transformation, I think, was put a little bit on hold by health systems and hospitals in the COVID times right because there was so much uncertainty they didn't want to spend a lot on capital yeah i think health plans on the on the flip side they did invest i think health plans are ahead in the digital transformation ahead of health systems now health systems have this unprecedented financial pressure shrinking margins but one of the things they can use digital transformation to do is to cut costs so take you know low cost um you know tasks And replace those with artificial intelligence and Mm -hmm. robotic process automation. And those types of things should really help in reducing that cost base. And so as we advise clients, we say, look to where you can really use digital transformation to improve a process, reduce costs, gain efficiencies. But it it doesn't it's it's a long process. It's not a simple task.
1: Right now. Earlier this year, you did another report about healthcare organizations turning to CFOs to help navigate disruption. I'm wondering from when that report came out, I believe it was about six months ago, until now, have you seen a lot of differences between what health leaders are saying?
0: You know, I actually got to say it's a continuation and maybe even there's they're yelling a little bit louder now because (laughs) a lot of these issues are just exacerbated. You know, I look particularly at the cost of labor. So I've been hearing that the staffing shortages are improving, but they're still having to pay a high amount for labor. And when you think about recessions and you think about wage inflation, it doesn't go away. And so. I think that that problem is really front and center for 2023, and it's something that we're still trying to figure out. And again, can you use digitization, um, artificial intelligence, RPA to remove some of that? Maybe. But I think that level setting this cost base is going to take some time.
1: Yeah, going to continue into 2023.
0: I mean, the other thing I might mention is as you've thought about comparing 2022 to 2023 and, and what's what are things looking like, um, M&A, so mergers and acquisition activity yeah. is something that, you know, we've been kind of keeping an eye on as it relates to, you know, what will it look like? How, how will it continue? You know, we've seen a lot of convergence in the industry, right? And a lot of disruptors entering. So. If, as you see retailers deciding that they're going to acquire, yeah. you know, healthcare organizations and, you know, health plans entering, you know, the scene, I think that we're going to have to continue to see a lot of pressure on the MA market. I also think those smaller and mid-sized health systems and hospitals are just getting hammered, right? And so they're going to be looking for new partners and figuring out how to restructure and deal with, with performance improvement. Um, and even one other trend that we've seen that I think will continue in 2023 is really outsourcing. So we call it an operate play where a health health system says, you know what, I don't need a big IT shop. Why don't I outsource that completely? And if I can reduce my costs by doing it, we're seeing a lot more of that, whether it's running a revenue system, whether it's completely outsourcing a department and and health systems are saying, what am I good at and what should I focus on? And if that's all about patient care, then maybe that's where I should be really spending my time and in investing.
1: So what you're saying is we're going to see more MA likely, maybe more in the form of partnerships by smaller systems. And um, we're going to, to have just more cost-cutting measures as, such as outsourcing.
0: Yes, potentially. And that's been a, a recent headline in the last couple of months, um, health systems, you know, cutting their labor forces. So, you know, cutting, but at the same time, needing people, it, it's really a delicate dance and a balancing it sure, act.
1: Sure is. Now, on top of everything else that the CFO has to do, there's new uh, emphasis on uh, health equity and also sustainability with climate. And I'm wondering, how are they looking at this now because there's so many financial changes? Are these efforts on a back burner, or are they trying to do everything?
0: I think it's a little of both. So okay. I think that leaders understand the importance of um, sustainability, um, climate, and equity, and in particularly in the healthcare environment, really focusing on the social determinants of health. And how can they make a difference in their community? And I think that's something that health systems have always been passionate about. I think that as organizations navigate the new rules and regulations, uh, coupled with the financial pressures, they're going to have to make some decisions. And so how can they invest the right way um, and make the most impact? So I, I hope it will stay front and center. I will say, as a, you know, a female professional who's been you know, in the industry for 30 plus years, we see how these initiatives like there's a peak, but then if there's budget constraints, sometimes these initiatives kind of die down. I hope that's not what happens. Um, but I, I think we'll have to wait and see how things emerge or continue to evolve in 2023.
1: Okay, Tina, it's been a pleasure having you on HIMSCAST. Any uh, closing statements on what you foresee for 2023 or what CFOs should be looking at in the following year? You know,
0: I think that it's going to be a really um, crazy year. Um, It's going to be a little bit, um, you know, a continuation of 2022. And I think that focusing on things like, you know, cost containment, performance improvement, and even satisfaction of of patients and consumers, thinking through, you know, how do you keep loyal patients? And then last but not least, you know, the whole topic of value-based care, and the shift of fee-for-service to, you know, that, that risk-based mm-hmm. um, keeping patients healthy is top of mind and kind of continuing on that journey is really important.
1: It's been great speaking with you. I'd love to speak with you again in a few months to a year and find out if anything shifted in this. And hopefully it's gotten a little bit easier. But um, as you said, it looks like it's going to be another tough financial year for CFOs and hospitals.
0: Absolutely. Well, it was my pleasure, Susan. Thank you. And again, I don't mean to sound like doom and gloom, but I think 2023 will be full of challenges.
1: I'm hearing it not just from you, Tina, but from others I speak to, that it's going to be more of the same for a little bit. But as with everything, it will go some cycles. So thank you, Tina. (laughs) Thank you, Tina. It's been a pleasure having you on HIMSCAST.